You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 13. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapist Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Kate Taylor. Kate is a birth doula and the owner of Creative Childbirth Concepts, a full-spectrum pre- and perinatal music therapy agency serving Chicago-area families for fertility, pregnancy, and support during labor and delivery. Kate has presented her research on pre- and perinatal music therapy at regional and national conferences, international conferences, and for worldwide parenting organizations. A board-certified music therapist since 1999, it was not until the birth of her daughter in 2007 that Kate launched her birth-centered music therapy practice, where she now attends an average of 24 births per year and continues to raise two wonderfully energetic girls who both love music and babies. When not attending births, Kate can be found networking with like-minded parents at yoga and baby-wearing adventures, helping young MTBCs grow their birth-based businesses, or hiking at a nearby creek with her family. Kate, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Good, me too. So let's start by talking about your background and how you became a music therapist. Um, I studied at Illinois State University, did my undergraduate there, and I really became a music therapist because I had seen a music therapist in action at one of my local nursing homes. And at the moment of seeing the process of what they were going through, working with the client and showing us what the music could do to elicit language and interaction, I just sort of knew this is where I wanted to use my musical gifts and my passion for wanting to work with people and kind of put it together. So after I graduated, I did an internship in mental health. The music therapy intern department was through the activities department of the mental health hospital. So we had the responsibility of not only bringing music to the clients, but also bringing arts and crafts and activities. So it sort of piqued my interest about the way we could integrate music with all these other arts. So I found a job um, early in my career at an integrated creative arts agency where I was working alongside of dance therapists and art therapists as well as drama therapists. So we would work together when we could to co-treat, but we pretty much had team meetings every week where we would discuss our modalities. And it really just started to develop a, a passion for bringing music therapy to people, but also bringing in the other forms of creativity that are sparked through music, you know? So I really enjoyed working in that agency because I had such a spectrum of clients that I could work with. There was, you know, children in the classroom diagnosed on the spectrum with, you know, living with autism and Rett syndrome, those type of things. But I also had opportunities to see adult clients who were struggling with depression or um, community agencies that needed self-help uh, through music and creativity. So it was kind of like it gave me this taste of 
all these different ways that music could be used through school systems and mental health systems as well as um, community systems. So I, uh, you know, really felt fortunate to start my career in a place where I got all that experience. Um, but there was just some pieces missing. So I, I ended up moving on to taking a hospice job where I kind of got that medical component um, and a little bit more of the spiritual and counseling component that went along with using the music therapy, you know? Yeah, you were really lucky to have such a wide range of of clients and experiences so early on in your career, even before you became a professional. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like I was thinking about in terms of when I became a mom during that whole process, you know, um, and it really did happen when I was sort of changing jobs, you know, and sort of looking at which direction I wanted to go in with my work. And I do feel fortunate that I had the opportunity to pick and choose kind of how that could go in the future, you know, to Mm -hmm. bring it together. Yeah. Wow. That's, I think that's really unique as, as a young professional to go into the field, having that wide range of experiences, because yeah, then you really have that freedom to be able to choose which population you want to specialize in, but also feel comfortable um, with, with that choice. Because I think for a, a lot of people, you know, we, we work with one population or maybe a couple in our internships, and then we sort of stay on that track as we dive into the professional world. And it's a little scarier to branch out. It is. And I can recall, like, when I was working at the Integrated Arts Agency, it um, I had some music therapists that I managed for a while before I moved on to hospice work. And the struggle, really, that we saw with everybody was just that, you know, there's work out there in certain populations, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where everyone's strength is or where they feel as though they're the most comfortable in working with particular populations. But jobs really, you know, are (laughs) in demand for music therapists, you know, who are fresh out of school. And oftentimes, uh, friends, colleagues, whomever, you know, take a job that they feel like is right for them at that time. But then as their life evolves, and as the understanding of music therapy continues to evolve, there's not just more opportunities for them, but there's openings for them to create more opportunities for themselves by finding a niche that really works for them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Based on their skills and their gifts. So one of the things I really love to do is encourage everybody to continue to explore what are their strengths and weaknesses in their career as a music therapist? What direction do they want to look towards in the future? And where do they see themselves working so that it really becomes a fulfillment of a passion instead of something that we're walking on this fine line of burnout, <laughs> you know, where I don't know if I want to do this any longer kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that does happen, especially if you are in a position where, you know, you took that job because it was open and because it was available to you, not necessarily because that is where your fire is burning to work with with clients in that area. So I think those are really important questions to ask yourself as a professional. After working for a bit in hospice care, I became pregnant. And um, it was really at that point in my career that 
I wanted to keep going because I was so passionate at, at discovering and understanding some more about how the music related to the dying process and how music therapy was such a comprehensive and flexible way for families to deal with anticipatory grief and all of the things they go through during that process of dying. But at the same time, I was pregnant and really feeling very vulnerable and open to a lot of things that were happening in my work environment at that point that my body was saying, take a break. So I had my first daughter. Um, she was born in 2007 and went back to do some contract work with hospice in between having her and moving with my husband's career. And really, it was an opportunity I took when uh, we moved out of our Chicagoland location uh, to a different state that I sort of honed in on wanting to work in childbirth and using the skills I've attained that far, you know, to bring to pregnant couples, helping them sort of shape and empower their birthing experience in a way that could have been as peaceful and graceful as all the things I witnessed in hospice, you know? even though it was a totally opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. You so know? I want to hear kind of how you got into that or the training that went into working with, with that population. Sure. The um, birth and yeah, like being in pre and perinatal music therapy is definitely a new area. And I had to kind of create my own training, to be honest with you. Like I had to put together pieces of training that to me resonated with what I wanted to do clinically. So for example, when I was doing my internship, the integrated arts was interesting to me. So I found a training that was involving using different arts, different art activities in an educational setting with couples preparing for childbirth. So it was more like a curriculum in how to teach couples um, about childbirth using things like music and art and um, expressive movement, those type of things. So I kind of had to put it on the back burner because I needed a job and I didn't think I could just afford to, <laughs> you know, uh, work with couples because at the time I didn't know how big of a market it actually really could be. Sure. Um, because in, in music therapy, it wasn't that big of a niche market. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I went into the integrated arts program and worked um, in that for a while. And then be, when I went into hospice, I started becoming more interested in like guided imagery and music. At the time I was taking my master's program and the master's in music therapy where I studied at St. Mary of the Woods College um, integrated a guided imagery training into the the schooling. So it was GIM level one. And it was just fantastic for me at that point in my life and also in my career, because I felt like that imagery and relaxation techniques and using music to help um, activate the brain in that way was really what I could use with couples who were preparing to, to visualize their birth or to process what they needed to prior to becoming parents. So I that training kind of came with my <laughs> master's degree, which was an added bonus. But because of that, I actually felt compelled to really, you know, like seek the work um, after my working in hospice because it really helped open my understanding of how 
music can elicit responses from us that maybe we're not consciously aware of, you know? Yeah. So I did have a training in what's called music therapy assisted childbirth. Um, It's sort of a training that gives a foundation of how to use recorded music during different stages of labor, depending on um, what processes the woman's going through at the time. So it provided for me a foundational understanding of like some of the parameters to, to music and how it can be used in different stages. But I really feel like my understanding of that was, um, augmented by the GIM training, because in GIM training, guided imagery and music, at least the Bonnie method, um, they teach us how to use the music relationship to the size of the container in terms of, is it small? Is it large? What was it too evocative? Is it going to be holding enough? You know, those type of things. And that to me is what really related to the childbirth process. I mean, you said you had an experience with, you know, um, your childbirth, and I don't know if you involved music in it or not, but you might be able to, or a lot of people can speak to how the process changes. Sure, <laughs> not yeah. Stagnant. It's definitely dynamic, right? Right. Did you have experience yourself with employing some of those techniques or having assistance that, that used music in any way in your own childbirths? Absolutely, I did. So the trainer who taught my um, both music therapy assisted childbirth training and uh, the creative arts birthing training that I mentioned, she was available to me during my childbirth. I actually sought her out because it was years after I took the training (laughs) that I became pregnant. And so um, I did utilize her as a music therapist and doula. So she brought the music component to our births. And I think because I had the training ahead of time, it was almost more of a challenge to utilize the skills without overthinking it in terms of what was right for me as a music therapist over what was right for me as a birthing mother and how to administer it. And I will say in my consultative work with women all over the country, um, those that are musicians or music therapists um, sometimes need a little more recognition of you can step out of the role of the music therapist in your own birth and instead of administering the music for yourself either find someone who's qualified to do that for you or consult with someone else who can help you be I guess the client you know even though you're in a well state of being you know you're the client who has an opportunity to use music in a transformative way in your own birth so yes by all means I did use someone else who helped assist me In my second birth, I will say it was very rapid. It was very fast. And my husband did get the speaker out and put on some music before the baby was born. But she was born within like an hour and 45 minutes. So there wasn't a lot of time to do anything else. (laughs) But we did have music as part of it. (laughs) Well, what you said about stepping out of your role as a music therapist really strikes a chord within me because I was really overwhelmed at the thought of incorporating music into my birth with my son Parker. Um, And I I did have a doula and I had lots of people asking me, you know, are you going to use music? How are you going to, what are you going to play? What are you going to do music wise as far as, as the birthing experience goes? And I, I really was just kind of paralyzed at the thought of, of 
trying to figure that out. And at the time, I really didn't know that um, that there were music therapists that were specializing in this. And honestly, I once it t- came time for, for the birth, I didn't want anything to do with music. I wanted no sound whatsoever. I remember at one point my husband turned on the radio, which just that was an right. awful idea. And I freaked <laughs> out. I'm like, turn it off, turn it off. And um, so now, you know, thinking ahead, you know, next month when I'm ready to have the second baby, I'm I'm kind of sure. thinking, well, you know, how can I do this in a way that's going to augment that experience as opposed to stressing me out? So so that really strikes a chord within me that, that you kind of relieve the pressure of saying, you know, this, is, this doesn't have to be your role because you're the mom. You're not the music therapist in this situation. And honestly, I'll be so bold as to say, you know, we say this in other populations, but it's very true in pre and perinatal music therapy too, is that women very often will know what they want. And oftentimes their partner knows what they want over what I may be recommending at that moment, given the specific music parameters, what playlists work for what stage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we have to be in the moment too, as music therapists, we live within this environment in this space with a birthing couple, particularly that is very, I'll say it's sacred. It is. It's a space that needs to be moderated in a way that is comfortable for the for the birthing couple. And music is absolutely one of those things that can moderate an environment. We know that from theories of environmental music therapy. I see it in my birth work all the time, but it always has to relate to how the client is receiving that. So um, for me, I have to be keenly aware of some different assessment tools and looking and seeing what is happening and changing during the birth um, and how the music is being applied. And I will say, I in every birth, most often in every birth, um, we see the use of silence being important at some point, not for maybe elongated some time, but at some point that happens. But also, you know, you mentioned music for you at that point in your childbirth sort of, I don't know, maybe changed your brain process in the sense that you were like, turn it off, turn it off. That's Mm -hmm. not right. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Because at that moment, what the stimulus that was coming to you was not matching what was happening internally for you and with your physiology with the baby and what was happening in the process. So that's the key is the entrainment effect. You know, we talk about this in other types of music therapy where we use music in neurologic music therapy to help entrain to a cadence, right? Where the, the step, the motor planning can, can go with the beat of the music. Well, in birth, we definitely want to make sure that we're presenting the music as a positive stimulus at a time when the surges and contractions are not necessarily um, overpowering or taking too much attention so that the music is associated with a pleasurable response. So then it helps kind of block the pain receptors if as the intensity of labor increases, we also increase the depth of the instrumentation or the tonalities to create more sustain and release. You know, the music really needs to kind of match what's happening um in order for it not to be the stimulus where you're like please turn it off right now it's not working and it's so personal exactly exactly so so that brings me sort of to my next question where 
how do you in the moment, if you see a mother reacting maybe negatively or, or something needs to change as far as the music goes, how do you, I know you're probably so good at this at this point, but how do you switch gears and know which direction to, to go in next? So my husband always says chance favors the prepared mind. So I definitely know the music. I know the playlists that I have that are, you know, predetermined based on um, some of the ones that have been shown to be effective. But I also know for this particular client or the next what their preferred music is and what their familiarity to certain music is and how much they've practiced. We keep track of that sort of stuff. At least I do in my clinical practice. So um, we've designed a playlist together, maybe based on the emotions they connect with, with their courtship or marriage. And then we've also designed a playlist where we connect to maybe a recent loss they had in their family so that we know like which type of music is going to in, in theory, evoke a different response. And depending on what is happening in the moment, I know the music well enough that I can apply things uh, to kind of mirror what's happening. But also, I'm communicating constantly through their body language, through talk at times when it's appropriate, through touch, because as a doula, that is within my scope of practice, although many music therapists might not be, you know, comfortable or or within a scope of providing that type of care. Um, I kind of play a role that I identify with at the time with the client and say, you know, right now I'm stepping into this role and here's what we should try, you know, physically to, to help this process. Or there's times when I say, I'm going to step away from this right now and, and change the music. And oftentimes I'm not talking to the mother to do this. I'm kind of talking it through with the spouse off away from the mother so that we can kind of facilitate what's happening. But when they're able to engage, we absolutely engage and kind of figure out as a team what needs to work. And, you know, birth is dramatized in our society that it's this thing that is, oh, the water broke. Let's head to the <laughs> hospital. Okay. It's a trauma. Yes. Let's have a baby. Oh, the baby's beautiful and safe in here, you know, and that's wonderful. But it's really not when we want to really look at what are the real processes of childbirth. Oh, um, you're so right. They, yeah. And how do they progress slowly? There are signs. And so, again, I relate this to the dying process only because there are steps that we recognize that are very clear cut in the dying process. If we see this, we see that you know, we see A, B, C, then we see this step happen. And oh, yeah, there's other signs and symptoms of this changing. Well, the same thing is true for birth. However, it's, you know, obviously, in our society, much more of a joyous occasion. Um, and something where, in my opinion, the music could be that much more epically supportive, you know, because it's one of life's most epic things that happens to most people, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's oh, yeah. this journey that begins. It's this journey that begins even before conception for many couples, which is why for me personally, broadening the understanding of like how people can start to use music when they're ready <clears throat> to start a family, to invite this opportunity in to the whole experience, not just, oh, let's just in the last you know, 11th hour design three playlist and hope it works. Right. So it's more of a continuum of care through pre and perinatal music therapy that even continues after the baby's born, where the support can bring the music therapy to a place where it 
creates communication between the mother and the baby and the father and the baby. It can foster developmental milestones, you know, sort of start to finish, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. So are some of the goals that you're working to achieve? I mean, obviously the comfort of the mother is, is first and foremost with you being the doula, but also the music therapist there. Um, but also are you, are you working to foster, um, that interaction with, with the partner and in the mother at the same time? Um, because I know for me, I'm thinking back to my experience and I felt like it was my doula and I, and then my husband was kind of over to the side and he was a little weary of the whole situation anyway. And, a little lightheaded, you know, obviously, um, not having been through this experience before. Um, so I felt like we were a little bit disconnected and I, I feel like if we had had music that was meaningful to both of us, that it could have been a more integrative experience as a family. Is that, is that a a big goal for you? It is. It, one of the, well, the goal, the goal of the music is, multi-dimensional in the sense that it's there for, like you said, the biological needs of the mother in terms of pain abatement, respiratory rate, uh, in training breathing, deep focused breathing to help the muscles of the diaphragm push against the top of the uterus. I mean, there's definitely physiological things that we target, but there's also the social aspect of birth, which is, like I said, many people are birthing in hospitals, some are in home births. So it's social, but it's also environmental and then it shapes the whole space. But because intimacy is a key part of oxytocin release during the birthing process, so oxytocin is a hormone that the body releases during the labor process, but also during intimate processes, Um, it's the same hormone. And so if we can encourage intimacy in a way like slow dancing or sitting on a birth ball where they're rocking back and forth and massaging each other's hands to that song they dance to on their wedding night, you know, like, or whatever the connection is, whatever the the emotion they're trying to connect to is, you know, it's basically to foster intimacy, but sometimes it's to keep them moving, right. To combine those physiological goals of gravity and let's keep the the hips open and, you know, all those things. It's so multi-layered. So I will say, you know, you mentioned training earlier and that I might must be pretty good at it by doing it now or some phrase (laughs) like that. And really, I will say it really has taken many, many types of different trainings for me to integrate into where I feel confident now applying these skills. So one of my goals as a, you know, person in the field, if pre and perinatal music therapy is to help other music therapists understand that, you know, the application of this work takes a certain level of commitment, obviously, because whether you're functioning as a music therapist or a doula slash birth worker, you are still on call whenever the birth happens, right? Mm, So it takes a certain level of um, commitment and flexibility logistically. But I think clinically, I don't think I would have been as prepared to work in birth if I didn't work in hospice or integrated arts first. Not saying that that has to be everyone's path, because obviously that's not going to be the case. But I really feel like I needed the foundation of a master's degree. I really felt like I needed the foundation of not just what music to play when, but how to apply it as a therapist in the moment and as a team member with 
clients that are generally well. You know, they struggle with things like um, depression, anxiety, grief and loss, all these everyday things that, you know, generally people can cope through, um, but also can use the assistance of music with. But on top of that, they're layering in this whole transformation that's happening about them becoming parents and gender roles changing and, you know, all of these things um, shifting in their life. So music really is one of those really dynamic things that can um, touch on all those goals at once. Uh, Because, like I said, in the moment, in a birth, I'm managing a woman's pain with a song that has some vocalizations in it. So she starts to vocalize and her husband starts to vocalize while they're dancing together or swaying together. And then there's this release of tears that might happen. And so what goal am I working on there? Well, probably about eight. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like they're releasing, they're releasing the psychological components of fear. They're dealing with the pain through entrainment with the music they're dealing with movement through the entrainment of music. They're experiencing intimacy through the connection of the lyrics of the music. You know, there are so many different layers. So in regards to training, I will say start where you can as a music therapist in terms of understanding the components of birth and how music can apply to that, but really making sure you have a firm foundation in understanding the psychology of birth And also the psychology of loss, because some part of birth also contains some loss. There's even just like that fear of it. But there's also when women become mothers, they go through a process of letting go of what it was like to not be a mother, you know, so not loss in the in the death sense of a loved one, but loss in the change in the changing of life, the changing of roles. Right. Absolutely. So, Yeah. yeah. And I really feel like the biggest component to being successful in pre and perineal music therapy for me, at least at this point has been seeking supervision with, with people who are qualified to help me understand all those levels of things that are happening at once, you know, and I take a deep breath because there's also the whole act of being witness to a birth that isn't of its in and of itself can at times be difficult to deal with because of, situations that happen or because of dealing with, you know, my own experiences. So I think, like I said, working in all these different realms really helped prepare me. So I do feel really um, fortunate that my path thus far has led this way, but I, I also feel the need to look forward and say, how can we make pre and perineal music therapy better, <laughs> uh, you know, help other people understand how to work in this realm with sustainability because it's intense. <laughs> right. It it sounds really emotionally challenging, physically challenging, and sounds like it could be a really draining experience just based on how long a childbirth could last. I mean, you have to have some some real endurance, not only to to be assisting the mother and and her support, but also to be thinking and to be on your feet as a music therapist and a doula for that for that amount of time. So I can imagine it's it's right. not an easy an easy job at all. I will say though that having my own children is such a wonderful balance because 
Um, I come home from a birth experience and depending on the time of day, I'll either sleep or not, <laughs> you know, because my life goes on, you know, as soon as I pick up the kids from the birth, I have to be on. So, um, we play together a lot. They help remind me that, you know, there are little things in life that really matter more than, than certain things. And we go outside and try to get sunshine to sort of reset my internal clock. A lot of times I'm vocalizing all night with a mom too, because there are a lot of mothers who go through labor who are not comfortable vocalizing, but it's really a very productive live music therapy intervention that can be supported, you know, um, different than maybe just listening to the music, but we can engage together in that type of thing. So there's, yeah, like you said, a lot of physical things that happen. Um, but primarily I have a great support system with my husband, calls me his birth fire woman <laughs> you know I get a call in the middle of the night and I go and he takes care of so much with my own children as well as keeping everything else running so that's important but professional support and supervision is really important too and I have to mention you know I I seek supervision as a music therapist from peer super peer music therapists um, in pre and perineal music therapy. Um, we're kind of talking about uh, launching a group for the, the, the rest of us who are getting trained. Um, it seems like there's increasing numbers of people uh, being trained and interested in working in this area, but we really need to build a support network for that. Um, so we're doing that, but we also, like, I really feel like the balance for me is using music and art. When I come home from a birth, if I'm with my kids and they're doing Play-Doh or putting out some art or whatever, I reflect on it. I put on some music. A lot of times I'm reviewing the music from the birth just um, a few days within the birth so that I can send the specific playlist back to the client and say this is what was played here and there and whatever. And we go over it as part of the postpartum experience. So they have, I guess you could say, a quote-unquote soundtrack to their birth experience from some significant moments in oh, the process. that's neat. I love that. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, sometimes the mothers don't remember specifically, but when the music's played in the postpartum visit, it's obvious that they have a response to, yeah. oh yes, I remember that. Because we know music triggers memories, right? Absolutely. So, but that's again why we want to use it carefully because we don't want to reintroduce, if there was a traumatic experience that happened as part of the labor, we want to make sure that's being reintroduced in a way that's within the presence of you know, somebody who can help them process it at least the first time, you know? Right. Right. So it's, 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 you know, an experience like no other, but I will say I just read the review of a client who told her story of my presence at her birth. And you say it must be exhausting. And when I read what she said, I did, cause you know, I do it in the moment. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm not, thinking about my needs, I'm open to what the client needs. But it's been expressed to me through her story and through a number of other people that it's, they feel as though I'm giving them energy. And then I sit back and I realize, well, yeah, I guess that's why I'm so tired after a birth because it takes me about two days to recover. Oh, sure. And, I think. you know, they're calling it, they're calling it energy, but I clinically, I call it intention and, you know, um, being non-judgmental, being open, being aware, constantly assessing, like that's how, that's what I call it, you know, but gratefully for them, they experience it as just me being present, which is in and of itself a challenge that, that I learned through hospice is something that's 
we need to be really keenly aware of as music therapists that we're bringing more than just the music and in bringing the music, we're experiencing it too. So we're within that music with whether it's a hospice patient or a, um, a child with developmental delays, you know, or a family living with a loss. It's really um, the tool that helps us connect together in the therapy. You know, mm-hmm. it's really quite extraordinary. Yeah, I I could listen all day to you talk about this kind of work just because I find it so absolutely fascinating. And I think that if mothers knew that these services were available and that, you know, this is something that was out there that a lot more would take advantage of that and would, would want to incorporate that into their birth experience. Yeah, I really do feel like, you know, it's, one of those things, music therapy is one of those um, modalities that once people experience it, it's a no-brainer that right. it makes a difference, right? Yeah. Um, I will say in my career thus far, so I became a music therapist in 1999. I became board certified and I married my husband in 2004. My daughter was born in 2007 and my second child was born in 2011. And I've been doing this work on and off since 2007, specific to birth. And um, when I first married my husband, I had to explain to him what music therapy was. And then when I wanted to become a doula, I had to explain to him what a doula was. (laughs) So then as as he's met people throughout my career, it's less and less explaining that he has to do number one for music therapy. Now he meets people and he says, my wife's a music therapist. And they say, oh, my nephew had music therapy or, oh, my neighbor down the street their daughter had music therapy, you know? And then when he says, I'm all, you know, I work as a doula, people used to say, what? And now he's finding just from an outside perspective that people are now saying, oh, well, we had a doula, you know? So it's, the awareness is coming, but it's more than just, I think, awareness of like music as a modality for birth, but a birth movement in general, back to roots of like what we can expect childbirth to be like, instead of being dramatized as this like event that we see in the movies, or it can instead be this epic experience in life that changes the course of the way you want to parent or the way you heal from how you were parented, or, you know, like all these things could really be encompassed in this um, provision that could help people really live a fuller life. And so, yeah, I do think it's kind of, um, I guess cheesy, but I really do feel like if I could just like change how people view music and life in general, starting at birth, then we could change the whole world, you know, one birth at a time. Right. Well, and I agree. I also think it's one of those things where you don't realize until you're actually experiencing it or if you've experienced, you know, somebody else's childbirth, what it actually is like compared to what you see in the movie, like you were saying, you know, it's this big dramatic experience where my, my childbirth birth experience was short. It was a three hour process from start to finish, but it was so relaxed and quiet and I wasn't expecting that at all. I was expecting, you know, rushing around and doctors and people everywhere but really a lot of that time was just me and my husband and my mom and my doula in the hospital room by ourselves and 
I don't think that people realize that even people that are pregnant, I had no idea up until the day it happened that that, that was the way it was going to be. So I, I definitely think that it's one of those things that it's, it's really eye opening. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier in our interview that you had thought music would be a bigger component of your birth the first time around. And so this time with your second, you know, you're thinking of it a little bit differently. I mentioned a little bit about practicing and rehearsing with music. So one of the things I do in my individual sessions, meeting with a couple prenatally, is I walk them through, it's kind of like a stages of labor and music 101 where like I give them a little snippet of like okay this is music that could be appropriate in this part and this part and this part just based on what we know about music and your body but then I also say to them now let's put you in the experience in a way where you know we use some of their music or some of their experiences to tailor an arc of labor that we can kind of talk through about what it's going to feel like 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 I said earlier sort of designing their soundtrack for birth in doing that itself, and then I stop and we make art afterwards as kind of like a way of uh, taking whatever the music uh, elicited for them and putting it down into something tangible that they can then explain to me what it means to them. It's not for me as I'm not an art therapist to, to you know, decipher what they've made other than just be supportive of what they're expressing it is. Um and by doing that, even if they go into labor and it's so fast, nobody has time to put on the, the music or uh, they don't want the music when the, mu- when the birth actually happens, they still go back to those playlists and those experiences where we walk through um, the labor process. And it's a memory that is connected to the music. So like you said, even if your music doesn't end up being part actual birth, which if used correctly, really could be <laughs> a very uh, important part, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that. The but... idea of, of creating that arc of labor. That's, that's such a neat idea. And I have to say that after talking with you, my perception of, of how I might incorporate music into my birth experience has completely changed because I never really thought of it as such a a personal experience. You know, you think you hear people say, oh, you know, play something relaxing or play Enya or something like that, where that doesn't have any, any significance to me in my life. So why should that be part of the childbirth experience? But, but when you talk about, you know, playing a song that has special meaning to you and your husband, that for me, that, that, uh, I have a, a connection to that. So I, I really think that um, yeah. that there's a much better way to go about it, obviously, than than what I thought before. Right. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's important to have parameters and understanding what works and what doesn't, right. at least from what we've seen thus far. But I will say in my clinical work, you know, I've never really seen... I've been surprised because music that I would think is outside of the parameters of working has really worked wonderfully with particular clients because of their preferences and familiarity to the music. Yeah. So um, I'm constantly surprised. I just had a couple whose favorite bands were, um, you know, bands that are heavy metal and really, you know, the way that the, the personal preference is important in the process is, is as important as whether or not we as music therapists have seen it work. Um, there has to be adaptability because every childbirth is different, even the ones that go by the textbook, you know? Sure. Um, 
so I think the job is really to be uh, keenly aware as a therapist uh, of who your client is. And that happens through assessment, you know, and building rapport. And, you know, I can tell, I have consultations all the time with women who have a budget and they really just want me to design the three playlists for them based on early active and, and uh, postpartum periods, you know, and they get a lot out of that because they use the music in what works for them. Um, it's been prized, includes some of their favorites. And, um, but I think the understanding that the music itself can reach so many different levels of the experience at one time, that that's what makes it so supportive um, in that we're not just going to be looking at, does this music match the tempo? It should. Well, but are there lyrics in there that are triggering emotions or is there a reminiscence coming to the surface? You know, those type of things. So that's where the presence of a therapist really makes a difference because it's in the moment. It's in the moment. Hey. I'm really, I, I, I asked my husband's permission the other day if I could move out of the country for a while because <laughs> there's this woman working in uh, Istanbul who's doing psychodrama in the moment of birth with people in the environment. And, you know, the music therapy is something that right now people are a little bit more aware of, becoming more aware of how we can use it in the, in the moment of um, childbirth to support the golden hour after birth with lullabies and such. But if we really look at how music can help us process emotion and activate our brain in a way where we can understand those deep fears and anxieties and things that maybe we're not consciously aware of, and we can use those in the moment to help women progress through childbirth when maybe their body is not progressing because they're so afraid but not aware of it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah oh, wow. Yeah. That's, so. uh, there are just so many different, I think, ways to um, to make this experience something that doesn't have to be like you see in, in TV and in the movies. It's just amazing at the, the possibilities for it to be such a meaningful experience. And I think that's wonderful that you are helping so many families to have that meaningful experience. Um, so we've talked a lot about your work and I will definitely include links to all the ways that people can get in touch with you to learn more about it. Um, but I do want to hear a little bit more about you and your role as a mother. I know you've sort of touched a little bit on how you balance that with with your um, birth work, but talk to us a little bit more about how you balance having that flexible schedule in order to be able to run to a birth at a moment's notice, but also own a business and also be raising two daughters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I could say that I gave up coffee, but I haven't. <laughs> I do drink coffee. <laughs> that helps. Um, no, but in all seriousness, it's I, the things that come to the forefront of my mind are one being authentic and recognizing this is something that as much as I want to be a stay at home mom exclusively and be with my kids all the time. 
I feel this responsibility given my background and my training and all the blessings that have come into my life in the forms of musical gifts and talents as a listener, you know, all these things that I really do feel called to continue to support people in a way that music is fundamental in that, you know? Um, so I do want to find a balance, but in being authentic, I realize I can't do it all, all the time and do it well. So you know, certain things have to be brought to the forefront when it's most important. And like I said a little bit earlier, after I'm gone for 24 hours or sometimes 30 hours at a birth, the first thing I do when I come back home is connect with my kids in a way that is all about them. And I, you know, sometimes that's musical, which is awesome because they're both very musical girls. Um, and sometimes it's just being silly and dancing around. Other times it's just taking a walk with the dog and being outside together, those type of things. And I have to listen to my husband who tells me to just turn it off because, of course, as soon as I come home from a birth, too, I'm you know, curious to know who called, where are the emails, what's being managed, what invoices need to go out, all of those things have to continue to function too. But if I don't give myself at least six hours of time with my family and a very nutritious meal, then I, it takes me longer to recover than if I just put it all on hold for six more hours, <laughs> you know, and then I end up getting back to it the next business day usually. So, um, it's a balance that really takes a lot of self-awareness because I'll be at the park with my kids and think, oh, I remember this contract needed to know the rate, you know, of what, <laughs> what my price was going to be or whatever and getting back to somebody. And I have to just let it go and know that it'll be there <laughs> when I come back. And I really do pride myself on being able to, with new inquiries at least, getting back to them within... 24 hours because I've seen it make a difference um, in people's responsiveness to me that I have that level of responsiveness for them uh, within, of course, my personal boundaries. So I get a lot of supervision, like I said, about personal boundaries and professional boundaries, not only from music therapists, but also from other birth workers. And also, you know, I do have a support system at my church that helps me with regards to childcare for my kids. Oh, that's nice. I have, you know, Right. So my husband is the, you know, the first go-to for the girls and we have some daycare through his corporate job that's available to us in a drop-in nature, which is really wonderful. Um, so I at any point call and say, can I drop her today? And they say, yeah or no. And then I go down the list and he has a list of uh, birth care people that when I'm in, when I'm in a birth, these are who they, he calls and in the order for my family. And I will say like, his support has been, my husband's support has been wonderful from the beginning because when I first started spe specifically working in birth, um, he helped me at fairs and conferences. So I spoke at a Leche League conference when my daughter was three months old. And I don't know if you can speak from experience or some of the listeners could speak from experience, but breastfeeding a three-month-old is challenging at times because oh, they're yes. still pretty small. <laughs> they're still pretty small. You could be off your schedule and, you know, have a lot more milk than you need, you know, whatever Absolutely. the case may be. But I was giving a presentation about music therapy at an international allegedly conference about using music for breastfeeding to, for relaxation, um, which, of course, 
you know, it increases oxytocin, it increases the prolactin, it increases the milk. So that's good. And I was talking, I was giving this presentation and my three month old, my dad was walking her up and down the halls outside and I could see he kept coming closer to the door and she was crying, you know, (laughs) closer to the door. And I was like, he's going to bring her in here. And I'm speaking in front of like 50 people. Um, So we took a break and I thought, okay, we'll take a 10 minute break. She'll nurse and be all done. Well, no, she wanted to nurse for 45 minutes straight. So rather than hold up the presentation, I thought, what better place to nurse than there at a breastfeeding pump? Yeah. <laughs> so um, my husband held the microphone and there's like all these pictures of him holding the microphone while I'm trying to, you know, give a presentation. And, you know, the other thing is that he, he really has been supportive in the sense that I believe that this is something that I'm called to do. And although sometimes that means crazy hours and that means, you know, running a business in the middle of the night, because that's the only other time I have to do it. Um, he helps me check in and remember, you know, when I need to take a physical break and when we need a little vacation and all of that. So that helps a lot. And, you know, he helps with the kids. So that is important too. That's wonderful that you have so much support in place and it sounds like a really good system for being able to manage all that you do and all of the facets of your very full life. So I think throughout the course of this episode, you've offered some really valuable advice for not only music therapists, but also just moms in general and um, people that might be thinking about becoming moms down the road. And um, I really appreciate that. Um, And I'd like to hear of any projects or news that you have to share related to either your business or um, your music therapy work in general. Yeah, so I briefly mentioned that um, because of the role of supervision in my development thus far that a colleague and I um, are going to be starting a peer supervision group for music therapists who are working in pre and perinatal populations. Much like hospice, there's specific, you know, supervision groups to things like that where, you know, there's issues that come up from a clinical perspective that, you know, can help us understand what are the current practices, what are the best practices, where's the future of the field, you know, what research can we do that will help us understand better this work, you know, all of that. So um, people who are interested in in either doing this work in pre and perineal music therapy or currently doing it can send an email to the group, which is um, it's ppmtsupervision at gmail.com. And they can let us know and we'll send them some information about whether or not they'd like to join. A, it's going to be an online peer supervision group where we use creative arts to help process our work and to generate new ideas and to bring those self-awarenesses into practice. So we use um, lots of different arts, music, you know, techniques to kind of help that come to the surface. So that's that's exciting for me. That's going to be hopefully up and running by this summer. Um, and I just really have always been an advocate for, you know, wellness for women and, um, a couple of different sources that I enjoy using a lot include, um, postpartum progress, um, is a organization that helps women and community at large understand more about what are really, uh, real life postpartum issues that women deal with and it's postpartumprogress.com and 
every year they do a walk, a climb, they call it climb out of the darkness uh, to promote awareness and hope um, on the longest day of the summer or yeah, on or around the longest day of the summer when there's the most daylight hours to promote awareness. And there's going to be a climb in Chicago. And if you go to um, the postpartumprogress.com website and search for a climb near you, there's a walk in Chicago that another music therapist um, is actually helping to to raise awareness for. So it's it's exciting because there really are a lot of things coming to the surface about how people understand and work with women who are in preconception, like fertility and all the way through postpartum times, because, you know, for a long time, it was just something that, you know, was expected as a process that happens and ends. But we're finding that a lot of women, they're completely changed during the childbirth process. And, if more people, like you said, could understand that music therapy is something that's really multi-layered, multi-dimensional that can help them through that transformation, then more, I think more moms would be using music with their kids from the get-go, from the beginning, you know? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. The moment of birth using lullabies, you know, to help that bond move forward and to help the development just get off to the best start that it can, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned the postpartum aspect too. That's something that quite a few guests on the podcast so far have touched on. And I feel like um, especially having postpartum struggles is something that you don't hear in day-to-day conversation um, quite as much as we probably should talk about it because I think many more women than, than we realize do have those struggles. And to know that there's support out there and that there are those resources to turn to is really important. Right. And teaching them that music can be one of those first resources they go to, you know, for understanding their emotions, helping change their emotions, um, you know, process them, bring awareness to it. Definitely. I mean, it's this, it's this joke, right. Which is really not funny, but like, you know, you see these things published as far as, um, you know, women who are postpartum, like crying at the Kleenex commercial or whatever the irony is, the Hallmark commercial, you know, those type of things. But those hormonal shifts are real. And if we can use music in postpartum to help regulate uh, what we can, then that's even better for the mom. It's better for the baby and better for the partner. So, right. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Kate, thank you so much again for being on the show. I know that I um, have just been fascinated with everything that you shared and I know that our listeners have been too oh great it's my pleasure thank you so much for listening if you'd like to send Kate a message you can contact her via her website birthmusic.net on twitter musictherapy the number 4 me or instagram birthmusictherapy would you like to be a guest on the show let me know Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.